Are you ready for the impossible this morning? We have been going through our first journey on the first Sunday was the promise. You see, Jesus was no accident. He was no happenstance. God is not a God of coincidence. He had a plan, and he knew we needed it. He knew we needed saving. And so God had a plan from Genesis on to send his son to be the ultimate sacrifice for us, to take care of us, to cover us, to bring unity between us and him again. That was his heart's desire. That's what he longed for. And so Jesus, there are words throughout the Old Testament, over 55 prophetic words throughout the Old Testament that Jesus completed, every single one. And we read in, um, what's that? Case for Christ. Thank you. We read in that book, Case for Christ, a couple of weeks ago about how even eight prophecies fulfilled is impossible for one human being to do. He fulfilled over 55 to the completion in perfection. That is who our God is. He completes the impossible. He fulfills the impossible. He is beyond the impossible. Amen? And last week we talked about our choice. It is our choice to partner with the impossible or to let it pass us by. It is our choice to say yes. I'm not going to just say yes to salvation and get into heaven, but I'm going to say yes to the impossible and walk it out every day with you. I'm going to make the choice like Mary to say, may it be to me as you have said. In full surrender, in full abandonment, may it be to me as you have said. And she walked through and her choices reflected his glory every step of the way. Joseph, the wise men. The wise men were cool, weren't they? I mean, wow. We were talking about the gifts that they brought Jesus. The gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. Basically, they brought him his healthcare system. They brought him his financial stability throughout his childhood. They provided for the family so that they could raise the Christ, the son of the living God. You see, God's provision goes ahead of you. It's already there. You just keep in step with him. You just listen to his voice, and you keep in step with him. He will provide for you, and he will show up big time. Amen? Not one promise from God is empty of power. For nothing is impossible with God. That's the angel's words to Mary to affirm that she was going to carry Jesus. Nothing is impossible with him. If he says it, I believe it, I stand on it, and I move in it. And I declare in Jesus' name, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. Those are Jesus' words from the Father to our hearts. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. This is for you. This is a letter written to you, the church. Never doubt his mighty power to accomplish all of this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Ephesians 3.20. This isn't a prosperity gospel. This isn't a, if you do what God wants, he'll bless you. This is who he is. Come on. If the church doesn't know how good he is and what he has in store for us, then the world is not going to know. He has immeasurably more than you can ask, think, or imagine. Immeasurably more. 
I like those words. That's the NIV version of Ephesians 3.12. And that's what's on our mugs. It's so cool. Okay. I'm supposed to be done with the intro now because, wow. So an impossible Christmas. Today, we're going on the journey together. Are you ready? Jesus lived his life on mission 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So right after he was born, okay, kind of chronology of his childhood, what we know, because we don't really know a whole lot about his childhood. We know that while he was a baby, he was dedicated in the temple. If you've never read that story, look that story up and read it, because it's one that we don't generally refer to very often, but it is an amazing, amazing story. Uh, Simeon and Anna and, or Anna, I'm not sure how you pronounce her name, um, but just a really, really amazing prophetic word that was given over him as a baby by a man they didn't even know who God had promised him long ago, you will not die before you see the Messiah. And he sees Jesus passing by as they go into the temple, and God gives him a word. It's an amazing story. So he was dedicated in the temple as a baby. Then we jump 12 years, and many of us know this. Um, Mary and Joseph traveling to Jerusalem um, to celebrate one of the feasts. They leave with the caravan of people they came with, and Jesus is left behind as a 12-year-old boy. Um, a day into their travels, going back home, they, re they realize that Jesus is not with them. Oops, right? <laughs> kind of a major detail. Parents probably want to make sure, you know, before you set off on your travels, but there was a lot of people. He wasn't there. So it takes them another two days to find Jesus. And they find him in the temple. He was there listening to the religious teachers and asking them questions. And it says how they were astonished at his wisdom and his intellect and what he was asking and what he was saying. And Mary and Joseph run in. They find him. And of course, they ask, what are you doing? And G Jesus says these words. They're on the screen. Jesus said to them, why would you need to search for me? Didn't you know that I, it was necessary for me to be here in my father's house, consumed with him? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be here in my father's house, consumed with him? You know what I never realized until studying for this message? These were the first recorded words of Jesus in all of the Bible. Even from being a 12-year-old boy, he was on mission. He knew what he was born to do even at 12 years old. We need to stop diminishing the power of our children, the potential of our children. So moving forward, he was baptized. Now he's 30 years old. So we jump from 12 to 30. He's baptized by John the father acknowledges Jesus as his son. He moves from there to be tested in the wilderness by the devil. Directly after that, he goes back to his home and he begins teaching in the synagogues and he begins his public ministry. And right at the beginning, he's in the synagogue and I'm gonna read what takes place in this moment. It's on the screens, most of it is. It's uh, Luke Start, uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 17. When he came to Nazareth, 
where he had been raised, he went into the synagogue as he always did on the Sabbath day. When Jesus came to the front to read the scriptures, they handed him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and read where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, this, these are the words of Isaiah, Jesus reading his words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to be hope for the poor, freedom for the brokenhearted, and new eyes for the blind, and to preach to prisoners, you are set free. I have come to share the message of Jubilee, for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. After he read this scroll, he handed it back to the minister and sat down. This is my favorite part. Everyone stared at Jesus. I bet they did. Wondering what he was about to say. Then he added, these scriptures came true today in front of you. That's a powerful statement. That's a powerful statement. Obviously, Isaiah had probably been read multiple, multiple times. This was a passage of scripture they were probably very familiar with. It was written 700 years before Jesus was born. And he stands up and says, I'm the person he's talking about. I am the one who fulfills this prophecy given 700 years ago. The first three verses, if you look at Isaiah 61, which is what Jesus was quoting, the first three verses of Isaiah 61, they describe the twofold, twofold message and mission of Jesus. One, to open the door of the day of grace to the world, and second, to proclaim the day of vengeance coming on sin, darkness, and sickness. Twofold mission to open the door for the day of grace to all the world, second, to proclaim the day of vengeance coming on sin darkness, sickness. Jesus did not just die so your sins could be forgiven. He died so that you could live in health and wholeness. So this morning, there are probably many of us in here who aren't feeling well, who are dealing with some kind of sickness or illness. Uh, Pastor Larry is home resting because he's under the weather. Um, we have I know Bill in the back who um, is undergoing some procedures right now on his heart um, because of some blockages that are there. I can't even think because this is kind of spontaneous, but there are many others. So right now, we're going to do what the second part of the twofold message of Jesus was in his mission, proclaim vengeance on sickness. And we're going to proclaim health in our bodies. So right now, in Jesus' name, come on, we agree together. For health, from sickness, from disease, cancer, heart conditions, everything, we proclaim healing in Jesus' name, wholeness in Jesus' name, sickness, disease, you must leave right now. You have already been defeated by Jesus. It's what he came to do. And so we declare, we proclaim health in our bodies right now. In Jesus' name, amen. We believe it. So we've all heard the importance of mission statements for businesses, for nonprofits, for other organizations. Jesus lived on mission, and Jesus had mission statements. And all throughout his ministry, he would 
um, define his purpose and his mission for being on earth. And these are just a few off the top of our head that we kind of pulled out. Luke 19.10, I've come to seek and save the lost. John 10.10, I have come that they may have life and it more abundantly. John 12.46, I have come as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Those were the mission statements of Jesus, the reason for his coming. He lived on mission, on purpose. He knew why he was here. And his mission was always others-focused for God's glory. It was never about him. It was never about his name. It was never about for his own glory. He repeatedly would say that throughout the Gospels. He only did what he saw his father doing. He only said what he heard his father saying. It was for others, for the Father's glory. Here's another. Throughout this series, we've been highlighting Old Testament prophecies that foretold of Jesus coming and of his ministry, even of his death. There were prophecies about the 30 pieces of silver. There were prophecies um, that specified the exact timing the Messiah would arrive. Jesus was on purpose. And here's one from Isaiah 35. The blind eyes will open and deaf ears will hear. Then the lame will leap like playful deer and the tongue tied will sing songs of triumph. Gushing water will spring up in the wilderness and streams will flow through the desert. 700 years, over 700 years later, Jesus is performing his miracles. He's ministering to people. He's bringing hope. He's bringing life. And John is in prison. John the Baptist is in prison. And John has his own set of disciples. And he sends his disciples to Jesus and they ask him, are you really the Messiah? Is this, is it really you or is there someone else we need to be waiting for? And these are the words of Jesus, the fulfillment of this Isaiah prophecy. Jesus answered them, give John this report. It's on the screens. The blind see again, the crippled walk, leopards are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised back to life, and the poor and broken now hear of the hope of salvation. And tell John that the blessing of heaven comes upon those who never lose their faith in me no matter what happens. And you know what? I was reading this scripture passage and something just struck me in my heart and I thought there is a day coming when someone's going to look at someone in this room and they're going to say, what is really happening at Lifeway? I'm hearing stories, I'm hearing rumors, but tell what is happening at Lifeway? Oh, the blind see again, the crippled walk, lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised back to life, the poor and broken now hear the hope of salvation. It's coming, it's happening. It's his promise, and it holds no less value and no less significance and no less power than it did 2,000 years ago. It's who we are as his body, as his church. Everywhere Jesus went and everything he did was to accomplish his mission in coming to earth. John three seventeen. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. That was his mission. That was his purpose. Not to condemn, but to bring hope 
in salvation for everyone. And he lived on purpose. Secondly, he lived his life and his, his ministry as an invitation to everyone. Jesus chose to take others on his journey with him. He didn't go alone. One of the first things he did was to invite people into the story, into his story. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus says the words, follow me, 22 times. And we know that most of the time, people followed, but there were some who couldn't give up things they were holding on to in their life to follow Jesus. He asked repeatedly, will you leave everything? Your father, your mother, your friends, your job to follow after me. And we know there were 12 men that he brought in close to him. Jesus, there were normally many, many more than just 12 disciples. He had many other disciples following him throughout his life and throughout his ministry. It wasn't just 12, but there were 12 that were his confidants. They were his best friends that he chose to do pretty much every aspect of his life with these 12 men. He made them crucial parts of his story, of his journey, so that they could continue the journey after he was gone. His story became their story. His story became their inheritance. His story became their salvation, and his story became their mission. This is a quote from Billy Graham. Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We are saved to serve. We are redeemed to reproduce spirituality. We are fished out of the miry clay so that we in turn may become fishers of men. That is our mission and that is our purpose. Just as it was for Jesus, for us, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we live on mission and we live on purpose no matter what, it's who we are. The story continues. The fulfillment of his journey meant that you and I would take our lead from no one else but him. His story, his life, his narrative, what he came to do, we have the privilege and the honor of continuing that story. And sometimes that doesn't grab us the way it should, but that Jesus would allow us to continue the ministry he started of reconciling the world, of reconciling the lost back to him because of what we have already experienced in him through his love, through his grace and mercy, through the salvation he's given us, that should wake us up every morning ready to go, ready to say yes to all that he's called us to do. Does that happen every morning? It doesn't for me. There are many days I miss the mark, but Jesus is continually working out those imperfections. And every day, my prayer, Jesus, I need you. I need that passion rekindled in me to see the lost as you see them, not as an inconvenience, not as a nuisance, but as someone who I love and someone that if I don't do what I'm called to do, they may never get that opportunity again. 
to hear of your hope and your love for them and to spend eternity with you. We have a high calling, and it is an important mission we've been given. And we can never just slough it off on somebody else, saying, they'll do it. They'll take care of it. I'm just not feeling up to it today. I didn't have my coffee this morning. I'm just not. I don't have the energy to witness. Fulfillment of his journey meant you and I, we take our lead from him alone. There are two narratives that we can be accomplishing. Two kingdoms our lives can be telling the story for. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. There's no middle ground, church. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness is void of any meaning or value and will leave you in destruction. So often, we do not understand how the enemy can deceive us. We, we were reading a devotion the other day, and I can't remember exactly how they phrased it, but how so many Christians just want to live a good life and to be a good person. And what God has called us to do, it's an adventure, it's dangerous, it's exciting. And how so often the kingdom of darkness doesn't quite look like we think it may look all the time. Because Satan can easily deceive us into just being a good person and living a good life and not getting into any trouble. All the while, we are completely void of truly living in the kingdom of light. And we need to recognize that. We need to understand how the enemy works and that every day we are combating darkness through the power of the Holy Spirit and we are living on purpose and on mission. The kingdom of light will bring you into greater joy, a journey, a family, a life of miracles and freedom and purpose and mission. We're gonna wrap this up here with this, this uh, scripture. Jesus is standing before Pilate, right before he's about to be crucified. He looked at Pilate and said, the royal power of my kingdom realm doesn't come from this world. If it did, then my followers would be fighting to defend me from the Jewish leaders. My kingdom realm authority is not from this realm. Then Pilate responded, oh, so then you are a king? You are right, Jesus said. I was born a king. And I have come into this world to prove what truth really is. And everyone who loves truth will receive my words. We have the opportunity every day to prove to the world what and who truth really is. You have been invited to be a part in fulfilling the greatest story ever told. So I get to do the conclusion today. Um, I get to do the dramatic part. It's fitting, right? Actually, I think that was very dramatic in what he just shared and very real and very important, every single sentence. And he laid the foundation for the conclusion. I'm going to stand on the foundation of what Jesus came to do what he accomplished, what he showed us we can do, what he showed us what he wants us to do. Everything Travis said, raise the dead, heal the sick, blind eyes opened, redeem the lost, heal the brokenhearted. We carry that power within us. Amen? So Jesus invited his 12 disciples into a narrative. What is a narrative? A narrative is a story. 
He invited them into his story. He said, live with me, walk with me, eat with me, pray with me, go with me. And we all have a narrative we are living out every single day. I was listening to a podcast, and I got to tell you, that's where most of this part of the conversation comes from. And it was for people who are business owners. It was for corporate organization about how to write your mission statement. But when he was talking, I was like, you are talking about the gospel. Are you kidding me? You're not talking about a mission statement for corporate organizations. You're talking about the gospel. You're talking about the, the family that lives in the gospel. And he was talking about a family's mission statement. He took it from a corporate level and he said, how do we live on mission as a family? How do we live on mission as individuals? What is your mission statement for life? Why are you here? What is your driving force in the next week? What is your driving force in the next month? What is moving you forward in your story in the next year? And I know that that's my type A personality. I'm like, yeah, I want to see it laid out. I want to see the list. I want to see how to do it and when to do it and let's go. And that may not fit your personality and that's okay. But I felt like this morning going from what Jesus said for us to do and watching what he did and studying what he did. So don't just take my word for it. Go study what he did. Go study what he said because that is your action points. But I want to tell you that you have a story. Who are you traveling with in your story? What word are you fulfilling on your journey? His heavenly promises or your earthly goals? Who am I inviting into the journey with me? And who am I inviting into his story? You see, that's what he constantly did. He traveled with his 12 disciples. He invited them into his story. He invited them in to see the fulfillment of the prophecies, to see the miracles, to see the signs, to see the wonders. He taught them everything they needed to know so that they could live out the great commission after he was gone. And that is our calling. Just because he isn't walking the earth, we got the Holy Spirit. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait. Somebody is coming to fulfill and help you fulfill everything that I have promised. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. With the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of the cross, we can fulfill the impossible. Every single one of us, God created with an inner driving force, whether we want to admit it or not. There is a driving force to have meaning. Come on. You're, you want your life to have meaning. That's why people do bucket lists and why people have set goals and why they want to leave a legacy. Because God put that desire inside of us. Every one of us has a desire to be loved. Even if we think we're tough and we don't need it, we all have that desire deep down. If we uncover all of the layers that have been put on top by the enemy to keep love out, we all have that desire to be loved by each other and by someone greater than ourselves. He put that inside of us. We all have a desire to be in relationship. Me especially. I love people. Travis, on the other hand, could go a couple of days and not talk to anybody and be happy. Travis loves people. <laughs> he does. He does. It doesn't mean he doesn't love you, okay? Don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. <laughs> Sorry, babe. <laughs> Okay, 
<laughs> but he desires to be in relationship. I desire to be in relationship. Why do we desire relationship? And not just talking marriage, talking friendship. And not just talking friendship, but just being in a family. We all need a family. And you see what the enemy has done is he's gone in to try and destroy what God created. And he created the family. And so where is he going to take out the story? Where is he going to try and cut out the mission? He's going to try and cut the family in half. He's going to try and divide and conquer. But you all, no matter what has happened to you, have an opportunity to choose. You can be stuck in your narrative in a void and let what has happened to you stop you from moving forward and writing your story with the King of Kings. Or you can personally, internally say, I see what's happening around me, but I'm going to choose to be motivated internally by a father who loves me, to be motivated internally by a savior who died for me, to be motivated internally by the spirit who gives me the wisdom I need to walk this story out and to get out from under the lies and to start a new narrative. Amen? Amen? You can clap. It's good. He's good. I can't, I can't. I'm so excited about this part. Because it's like, yeah, I don't want to live in a narrative void. I don't want to live in a narrative void. That means that I don't have any purpose. That I don't have a family. And I want to tell you, when you walk in this house, you are a part of a family. You are not alone anymore. And if you can't wrap your mind around not being able to see Jesus, look around. This is your family this is your kingdom. This is your inheritance. We need each other. Amen? You are in relationship because we all need and desire relationship. And not just with each other, but there is an inner desire, an inner God-shaped hole is what I got my mind around when I was a teenager and I never forgot. An inner desire for more than myself, more than the people around me. I needed God. There is a God-shaped place in all of our hearts that he created, but he gave us a choice, right? We talked about that last week, to, to be obedient, to step into the promises, to step into the glory, or to keep living out the other narrative in a void. Story is the most powerful thing to move us forward and transform us. How many of you agree with that? That's Donald Miller, the podcast I was listening to. We talk about telling your testimony when you testify to the goodness of the Lord, you are helping someone else in their story step out and move forward. Your story motivates someone else to say, I can do that. I can stand there. I can trust God here. Because you trusted God there, I can trust God here. I've seen him do it there, so I know he'll do it here. Your story matters. Your trust in the Father matters. Your obedience and walking in, your journey with Jesus matters to the people around you. You guys, we're talking about Brody the other day and how he was talking about Jesus. And I forget exactly, I'm going to mess up the story. But I'm telling you, you guys are writing a story and your son is paying attention. And he's telling his friends about Jesus. And you are setting him in motion in a story in your home. You see, this isn't just an individual thing. This is a family thing. You get to tell a story with your family. Or you can leave your children in a narrative void. You can be intentional. And this hit me, wow. 
I can be intentional with the values and how I raise my children, or I can leave them in a storyless void and they can figure it out for themselves and they will go to somebody else to help write their story. They will go to somebody else in the neighborhood, somebody else at school, a a counselor at school to help write their story. They need you. They need you to set in motion their story. They want to be a part of it. Even if they're teenagers and they roll their eyes, they want to be a part of something. They want to be a part of something that matters. Amen? Because it's all of our desire. What if you decided that you were a huge part of his story and lived like it? And I know many of us are. But sometimes we live in this place as believers and we kind of just get stuck and we don't stop and reevaluate where am I in the story? What are you trying to say to me? Because I want to keep living this part of the story and you want me to step out and do something new. So every once in a while, we need to reevaluate what's my mission. Am I on mission or am I getting distracted? Am I living for the kingdom of light or is the kingdom of darkness pulling me backwards? And in Jesus' name, I rebuke it and I walk forward. Right? Life demands that we sacrifice. If you don't have a mission to sacrifice for, you will die. If you don't know why you're here, life will put you in the grave. But if you know why he created you, to love and to be loved, and you take hold of his mission, and you partner with him and become his disciple, your story changes. You rise up out of the grave. You walk brand new. You start to see victory. Amen? It's real. Isn't it real? It's real. And it is true. And it's hard. I know there are many grieving people in the house this morning. And this time of year is difficult. And the sacrifice is great. But he is greater. And he is the joy and the sorrow in the morning. Amen? He shows up every time, and I don't know what I would do without him. I say that all the time. I'd be in a narrative void. I have a mission for you to do before the end of the year, with yourself, with your family, or both. And I want to say to the single people in the house, you matter. To those that maybe are not in a family unit, a husband and wife, and that you are single, You matter. Your story matters. So if I speak to the family, I want you to know you are a part of a family. You are not alone. Come on. Your part in his kingdom is still as vital and important as anyone else. And you don't let the enemy tell you any different. You silence those voices. You are vitally important to his kingdom. Amen? So sit down with yourself, your family, and define your mission statement. You can define your mission statement for this week. You can define your mission statement for 2020. What does it look like to actually sit down and say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus and I love him. How does he want me to be active in my job? You see, he doesn't want us all to be pastors and missionaries and He does. He wants us all to be ministers of the gospel, no matter what field we work in. You are all believers in Jesus, and you are all disciples, and you are all called to make disciples. He didn't distinguish out just some are called. All of us are called to disciple disciples, right? 
So as we sit down and we think about our mission, and we think about our positions at work, or we think about our families, we think about our children, the one, the one mission example he used was the family decided that they had too much stuff. And so they were going to take the next three months and they were going to write a mission statement about how they were going to rid themselves of all their stuff and get ready for a garage sale. And it set them and their kids in motion, in a direction, in a mission to accomplish a purge of things. And it gave them, because when you have too much stuff, it distracts from relationship. And it became their mission statement and they accomplished it together. And I feel like the Lord wants to identify your mission statement. He wants to identify what he's calling you as a family, as a person, as an individual to do for his kingdom. So pray, number one, pray and ask the Lord to define and to continue to clarify your journey. Don't do it alone. Don't just sit there and be like, okay, what am I here for? What should I be doing at work in the next I'm not the boss. I can't shape what's happening. I was just thinking, you know, sometimes we feel like we're in somebody else's narrative, and we are in charge of maybe what's happening to us at work, but we are in charge of who we are at work and in front of other people, right? So we can choose to live out our story in front of people even if it's not happening the way we want it to. Amen? Carrie? Hi, guys. So I just wanted to share real quick, and I didn't expect I would, but I just felt like it was on my heart this morning. Um, so at work, we're kind of going through some transitions. And I'm not going into a lot of details, but this week, I work in the therapy department. And as a team, we were struggling. We were frustrated. We felt like we were replaceable. And so my girlfriend and I, she's my coworker. She sent some things to me, and I felt like, and I shared this morning with Leslie, that I wanted to share with you guys this morning. So I'm going to read off my phone and some of the things that she said. He had a divine purpose for Mary. God has divine purpose for you. Just as he chose her and entrusted her with great plans, he also chosen you and entrusted something miraculous to you. Ask God to reveal what he created you to do. And be confident that he equipped you to do. Father, you are good. I praise you in your power. Nothing can stand against you. Thank you for having a plan in my life, sending your son on my behalf, and giving me the strength to face situations that seem impossible. As I trust in your strength and not in mine, Help me see Christmas as a powerful example that nothing is impossible for you. So as I go through my work week, I'm going to keep praying, keep reaching, and keep knowing that even though frustrations, even though there's people there that want to make me feel like I'm replaceable, I'm not. Jesus loves me. He has a purpose for me. And if whether my purpose is to walk into, into work and heal the broken, to reach out to someone who's hopeless because that's my job, and whether that's supporting my team, supporting a patient, or supporting administration. Thank you. Woo, hey. No, say, 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 say. 
Jesus, I thank you for Carrie right now. I pray you're anointing all over her. I pray that when she walks on that property, your presence falls in Jesus' name. I pray that people would get saved. They would come into an encounter with who you are through her as she owns her narrative, as she knows what her story and her journey looks like, as she takes every step with you. I pray your salvation in that house. I pray your healing in that house. I pray your redemption in the workplace. I pray over the bosses, over the leaders in that workplace, that they would come to know you and know your love for them, that there would be no intimidation. There would be no, it would all be done in love. In Jesus' name, you praise, we praise your name for changing the atmosphere. Changing, the, as Carrie steps on the property, the atmosphere changes in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. She proved my point. Well, number one, pray and ask the Lord to define what your mission is. Example A, walking with him, he will identify, she's not going to walk in there with her head hung low and say, I'm not, I'm not required. I'm not, I'm replaceable. She's not going to do that. She knows who she is. But she's also going to walk in love for the people that are not loving her the way they should. Isn't that cool? Jesus is good. Write it down. When you know what your mission is, Carrie, go home and write it down and put it on your fridge so you can read it every single day. Set goals. This is number three. Set goals. This is for the type A people in the house. Set, set goals today, tomorrow, for 2020, things you want to see accomplished and take critical action steps to accomplish them. That means be intentional. A lot of the time, I sit and I wait for God to move, and he's saying, it's your turn. You stand up and you go. I'm here, I'm moving, but you can't just sit there and expect me to do it for you. It's just like when you're raising your kids and you want them to learn to brush their teeth and comb their hair. You got to show them what to do and then let them do it. He's showing us what to do and he wants you to do it. The confidence that you heard in her voice, being who she is in that environment, is what he wants to rise up in you because you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You're a disciple. And then the fourth thing, and my most favorite part, is invite people to be a part of your journey. You see, people love seeing a great story lived out. Why do we go to the movies? To watch a story. What does it do for us inside? It's like, yeah, I can do that. Elsa can do it. I can do it. Come on. When people see Jesus living and having his being in his church, they're like, yeah, I want to be a part of that story. I want to support that story. I want to be in that family. Come on. It's, a, it's the loudest witness it possibly can is you living out your days, your story for him, for his glory, and doing exactly what he asks you to do. People love seeing someone live a great story and want to jump on board to help them fulfill it. No one wants to live void of a story. Even if they keep pushing you away, you keep loving them anyway. Every one of us longs to be part of something bigger. Invite people in. Jesus said, follow, follow me. And I say, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Our mission, if we choose to accept it, is to be a disciple that makes disciples in mission on mission on purpose for our king. Amen? Yes. Will you stand? Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 16, 24, if you truly want to follow me, 
You should at once completely reject and disown your life. Come on. And you must be willing to share my cross and experience it as your own as you continually surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover true life. Take up your cross and follow me. Journey with me. Trust me. My plans are greater. I am here to do immeasurably more. And I'm going to tell you, I know we haven't mentioned the word joy a lot, but I'm going to tell you the joy is all over this. You see, our candle today in the Advent wreath, we have done hope, we have done peace, and now we are going to do joy today. And joy comes in obedience. Joy comes in the morning. Joy comes when we say, my story is your story. And I'm telling you, even if you go through the fire, even if you go through hell, you will come out the other side and you will say, his joy is my strength. And it's crazy. And you'll think you're crazy because you're like, I'm on the other side and I got joy. And he, what he decided tried to do to destroy me. I'm standing and I'm going to walk my story out because he paid for it. And I'm going to have joy. It's a promise. He is a joy giver. Amen? So we're going to light this candle this morning. Hopefully I don't catch anything on fire. Hope. Peace. And joy is the pink candle. It is the shepherd's candle. And what did the angels say to the shepherds? Behold, I bring you great, wait, wait, wait. Did I say it right? Glad tidings. Glad tidings of great joy. I always mess up the words. Glad tidings of great joy. Amen? I bring you glad tidings of great joy today that your story matters, your narrative matters. What you do and how you do it matters in Jesus' name. I want to read you one more quote. I want to fall asleep each night achingly, beautifully tired from pursuing him wholeheartedly. There is something thrilling in the pursuit of Jesus here on earth. I am convinced that nothing will ever be as satisfying as giving our all to him. It really changes everything. That's Catherine Mullins, a worship leader. Doesn't it? He changes everything. And this morning, I, I have to say this, not because I'm a pastor. I have to say this because it, I'm a follower of Christ. And if this morning you don't know him and you feel like you're stuck in a narrative void, he is here. He is here to take your hand, and he is inviting you in to his story. And he says, it's your time. Let's go. Let's do this. I'm going to redeem what was lost. I'm going to replace what was stolen. I'm going to heal what is broken. Those are his promises for you today in 2019, not just in the Bible. Amen? So if you need to know him, if you want to partner with him, if you want to walk on mission with him, right now I'm going to pray a prayer, and you can pray. Everybody can pray with me. Let's just agree together. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me. I need you in my life more than anything else. Save me. Cleanse me. Make me new. I love you, Jesus. Right now I pray over this house. Right now I pray 
meaning. I pray definition. I pray wholeness. I pray this week there would be visions and dreams. And I pray that there would be critical action steps to accomplish those visions and dreams, God. I pray that you would speak clearly. And that I pray, even though, okay, so God, sometimes when you call us to do something, it's a little bit scary. That's when we know it's you. Because we cannot do it in our own strength. We have to partner with you. So I pray strength would rise solely from your Holy Spirit from within. It would rise up and it would take hold and people would accomplish the impossible in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. That's the cool part. It's when you write down your mission, if it doesn't scare you just a little bit. This is a quote from Donald Miller. If it doesn't scare you just a little bit, if it doesn't make you pee your pants just a little bit, okay, then it's not big enough. We got to get out of the boat. Come on. Walking on water. I want to do that. That is who you are. That is what he has accomplished. Amen.